We made this. Welcome back to We Played This, the show where I grill a guest about their greatest gaming experiences. I'm your host, Tim. Hello. And today we've got a very special guest. She is a digital artist and a ghostwriter, which is a title that I now understand because this is now the third time we've tried to record this evening. And her name is Anastasia Tapsfield. Hello, Anastasia. Hello, yes. We're going to get it this time, aren't we? We are, because (laughs) we understand technology and how it works. (laughs) Oh, God. I've been doing this far too long for um, me to fuck it up by just forgetting to press record. That's (laughs) that's the biggest rookie mistake you can make. (laughs) But yeah, we're we're both embarrassed ourselves and we're ready to try again, aren't we? Yes, well, yeah, that's the nature of things. You try things, you embarrass yourself, you try again. <laughs> yeah, so as we were saying earlier, uh, the world is shit. Yes. Um, for everybody involved, but mostly for a certain uh, subsect of uh, society. And um, yeah, it's rubbish. Everything's rubbish. Everything's shit. Um, but <laughs> video games are ace. And let's distract ourselves the best we can, even if it's just chatting about them for an hour. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we need this. We need this desperately. And I say an hour, but it's going to be like two hours by the amount of times that we fucked it up already and (laughs) and had to restart and cancel and cut out. But but we're going to try it again, aren't we? We are. Yes, it's going going to be fine. It's going to work. Yeah, this. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident this time. We've, yes. we've, we've, you know, we've made the mistakes, we've learnt, we've grown, we've evolved, and right now we're going to get straight in with some questions. Is that all right with you? That's fine. Let's do it. Good. Right. So for those of you that are new to the podcast, which um, most of you will be because we are quite new, um, I am asking all of my guests four big questions about ga- their gaming lives, and everyone gets the same questions. Then after I've gone through those questions, um, I also give all of our prospective guests a big long list of questions that they get to pick for themselves. So after the big four, everyone gets two of their own that they can uh, answer. So we're going to start with the big four, as always, and I'm going to start right at the very beginning and ask, where did your journey with video games begin? Okay, so as I was saying before, I'm going to bet it happened in 1998. <laughs> 1998. So I and was you were five, five years, years old. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, I did what most five-year-olds do, is I, I grabbed the PS2, um, and the game that I turn on is Medieval. Cool, okay. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot of five-year-olds, um, <laughs> but I don't imagine most of them play things like Medieval. They're playing things like Pokemon. Yeah, or, you know, there was a lot of Teletubbies games for the PlayStation back then. Was there? Oh, yeah, Teletubbies, yeah. that's going back a bit. Yeah, there was all sorts of kiddie games for the because the PlayStation was so, was like the dominant force at the time. 
all of the kiddie games were like all the shovelware was definitely based on the PlayStation. But yeah, Medieval, quite quite a complex game for a five year old. How well did you do? <laughs> I think I did pretty good. You know, um, I I would wake up and I I would think it was really early. Um, and I'd sit down and play this game and then my older sister, who's like almost 10 years older than me, would rush into the living room and be like, what are you doing? It's eight <laughs> o'clock. You've got to go to school. And I'm like, what? <laughs> play my game. I'm killing people. Can you leave me alone? <laughs> cool. Um, but no, uh, Medieval. Oh, it was so amazing. It was so kind of gothy and creepy. It was one of the first kind of like really kind of alternative things that turned me on to getting into the whole goth kind of culture at that age uh obviously it was directly inspired by uh tim burton's um nightmare before christmas which is you know classic um and i just found it so weird you know like most games were you know like normal men not really women and if they were women they had massive poops uh massive triangular shaped lara yeah. croft titties yeah <laughs> or like you know white people running around doing whatever and it was the first kind of game that i came across at that time that was a, a skeleton <laughs> <laughs> um it was cool it was it was like it was punk rock in, yeah. in a way but not really because it was a mass corporation <laughs> but um, it was just, it was just really kind of freeing and fun for a five-year-old to play that game. So when you picked up the controller for the first time, did your hair just suddenly dye itself like jet <laughs> black, and you know eyeliner just sort of like leak out of your tear ducts, <laughs> and suddenly you were a five-year-old goth? Is that that's how goth happens, isn't it? Like, yeah, that's yeah, the initiation. I'm, it is. Yeah, you play medieval when you're five, and. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, I mean, I know they did a remake, but I haven't actually played it because, unfortunately, for all the people out there that would hate me to say this, I prefer Xbox over PlayStation. I'm very sorry. Oh, intriguing. Do you, what about Xbox do you think, um, do you prefer? Uh, because I'm disabled, sometimes it's hard for me to grip stuff. And the Xbox controller is so much fatter and so yeah. much bigger, it's easier, it's less painful. Uh and it just it just seems more kind of let's play a video game, whereas PlayStation just doesn't really seem to have that kind of vibe to it. It just seems very kind of it doesn't seem as I don't know what the word is. It's a bit vibrant, sterile, maybe. I think. Yes, yes, it just doesn't it doesn't strike me. And I there are amazing games that are exclusive, like I mean God of War for one, which is such a good game. Yeah. Uh, but. It just as a console, and I have had, I have owned a, a PlayStation's obviously, and the PS3 and all that stuff. Um, but I just never really, it wasn't that fun. Well, I I've always been a Nintendo kid, um, but the first time I properly shied away from Nintendo and uh, was to the 360 when I was at university, uh, because of that exactly what you just said, the real sort of community, uh, the online, uh, really fun aspect of Xbox Live was what really drew me in. Yeah. And all of my friends at uni had um, an Xbox 360. So I obviously I could play with my housemates consoles when I was at uni, but then after uni, when I moved away, the very first thing I purchased was a 360 so that I could get online and play with my friends all over the country after everyone had moved away. So I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, but then I did buy a PS4 and it is basically just a glorified Netflix player. It just does not... I barely oh. even touch it, to be honest. So I've kind of gone back to Nintendo a lot. 
but yeah the the xbox series x is is piquing my interest and i'm i'm interested to see obviously we don't really know very much about it yet but it's something that i've got my eye on for that reason if i keep thinking that if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go back to anyone it's gonna be xbox i think yeah see i have a one s like um all digital uh so it is just like you know you download the game straight onto the console it doesn't actually have this i don't know what the name is i'm gonna say the slotty thing <laughs> <laughs> the disk drive <laughs> my husband's laughing at me <laughs> <laughs> well i nearly bought one of the uh online the digital only ones because last black friday they were down to some i think they were down to 100 quid I, I bought mine for 199 and, and that was when lockdown happened. So it's always been quite cheap, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I keep thinking about, I, I really, really wish I'd bought it when it was so affordable. But at, the, at that time, I didn't have 100 quid going spare. So, But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that about the, three, uh, the Xbox brand. And I totally get it. Um, the thing I've heard a little bit about, um, the remake for the PS4, the remaster, and the things that I've seen about the medieval re- remaster is that it's kind of a bit clunky. Like they've updated the graphics a lot, but the the control scheme is still incredibly yeah. old school. And I think I was yeah surprised by that because that was a a complaint in the original. Right. And so <laughs> I was really surprised that after all that time, after like ten years. Not not 20, 10 years, twenty years. There was no improvement in that. That's just weird to me. Yeah, and I get that it's always a a balancing act. You know, you've got people that are going to want it to be as faithful as possible. For, yeah. So, like um, examples being like the Crash Bandicoot um, remake is apparently reasonably faithful. There are a few tweaks, but it's still essentially the same gameplay. But yeah, yeah I get what you mean. Yeah. But um, at the same time, you kind of if you keep it too old school, then it just feels clunky compared to what you can do these days. So, exactly. I mean, like the uh, the new Rain, not not new, the Rayman game that came out a couple of years ago. That is nothing like the original. And whilst it's fun, I miss I miss that kind of nostalgia that came yeah. with the original Rayman game and and how fun it was with the weird dragonfly thing that you jumped on and <laughs> you know you. It doesn't have that in it at all. It's basically not Rayman. The only thing that makes it Rayman is that it has Rayman in it. And that's it. That's the end of it, being Rayman. And it's just like, what? why even make it then? <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, it, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite because I'm, I'm assuming you mean, is it Rayman Legends? Yeah, 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 that's it. We've got that for the Wii U and I love that game, but that's because I've never played Rayman before. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so for, for me, I, I think that one's awesome. You, you'd hate the Wii U version if you've ever played it because there's touchscreen modes as well so that's really diverging from the traditional rayman <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it's just like making it easier to play but keeping that nostalgia and for me for rayman legends they just completely were like nah <laughs> i don't care i don't care about you know people that are born in, in 90s and stuff i don't care we're just gonna make it really new because it's easier <laughs> so um Going back to medieval, whose whose game was it? Was it your older sister's or? Oh god, I think it was just like the family game. You know, I mean, like I didn't have any boundaries. I was playing GTA Vice City when I was in <laughs> primary school, uh, so there was no kind of don't play this, don't watch this, uh, which is probably one of the reasons why I'm so uncouth sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but it didn't make me a violent person. So, I mean, that idea, that idea, that video game, I'm not going to go into it because it's just so stupid. Um, but <laughs> obviously exposing harmful in- images to children probably isn't a good idea for several reasons. But it didn't really mess me up. It was fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just one of those games that you stuck in PS2 and you played. And I guess it was just an easy way to distract us. I mean, like, my nan had things like Devil May Cry. Um, wow okay for, for us for us at the house so she had like this ps2 room we could go to and play games uh and yes yeah, so there are loads of violent games that we always played and they really never thought anything of it because we didn't really like the we, we weren't really much of a nintendo family um it just wasn't really something we we did well that's the thing isn't it you were either one or the other in the 90s exactly and, yeah and w- there's way more people that went playstation so i won't hold it against you all right <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm obsessed with, with you know nintendo now and especially pokemon that that's my jam that's that's <laughs> where i am did you uh, ha- did you have pokemon um back in the day my brother did um right. you know classic kind of get the boy the video games the, the girls that want to play it even though i did want to yeah uh it's annoying but it was actually my husband that ended up getting me into it properly in like 2015, I think. And ever since then, I've gotten more into it than he has. <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. So, uh, second question. What was the most recent game you've played? So, I'd say, I mean, it's not even the newest one, but whatever. Um, Forza Horizon 3. All right, cool. So, you're a bit of a... Is bit of a racing fan in general or just i'm just not Forza? actually i usually hate racing games because they're so boring it's just like <laughs> you know except what was that game was it is it burnout oh you know, yeah when you have to love burnout. Stuff? yeah that was cool but all the other ones where it's just racing it's boring i don't understand the appeal of it like i'm a fifa as well i'm sorry i'm sorry to desecrate it but why <laughs> <laughs> just go and play why yeah i i'm not a big fan of sort of your standard racing games but arcade racing games do do hold my attention if you as yeah. a as a xbox fanatic i would very much recommend there's a, a game called split second if you like right. burnout it was for the 360 so i don't know if it's backwards compatible for the xbox one. Oh yeah no they they, they put all the uh 360s on there yeah oh all of them oh wow uh, a lot of them, yeah. I yeah. don't know if it's all of them, but it's oh, a lot. of course, yeah, because you won't be able to pick up the disc because it's digital only. But yeah. if it is on there, Split Second is a really great one because it's a very it's like Burnout. The controls are just incredibly arcadey. Um, but the gimmick for that one was um, basically they're recording a stunt show and you're the driver in the race. And oh my god! As you do tricks and stuff, you build up a meter, and once the meter is full, um, you can blow up parts of the track. Oh god, that's so cool! So it's really good because then uh, you can use it tactically and and wait till you know if there's a massive building in front of you and a car's driving through it, you can literally blow up the building whilst they're in it and things like that. And, that is awesome. And so as well, like it once you do that, it changes the route through the level as well. See, that's what I mean. It's more interactive. Where a yeah. lot of ra- racing games, it's just go A to B, and then that's the end, that's the end of the game. And I'm like, I spent 40 quid on this. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, uh, Forza, um, it was it was really weird. Um, so you choose your avatar, and I was looking through them, black, white, black, white, and I'm like, you know. <laughs> uh, and then I, I saw someone who looked mixed-raced, and I was like, oh, my God, it's me. 
So I chose it, and then the name that they chose for me automatically for that character was Anastasia. Whoa! And I was like, what? That was like it was ghost written. (laughs) Yeah, so that was the first thing. The second thing is the soundtracks on the radios. They are so good. Um, Particularly Pulse Radio. Oh, it's so good. Um, It's just every single part of the game seems to be crafted so like they pay so much attention to it. Um, and I love this idea that you're a driver in like you know this festival and you're building up fans. It, it has a purpose to it. Yeah. And then I have the Hot Wheels expansion, which is amazing. <laughs> um, it is insane. There's like dinosaurs and stuff. Oh and, wow. And it's just crazy. And like it's just so fast. There's rings of fire. Your wheels can set on fire. They really, really went with it. Um, so it's not just like a shitty DLC of cars, like it is levels and things as well. Also, like, so, I mean, there is a thing where either you actually just get the Hot Wheels expansion, like the land and all the races, and then you have to pay extra for that and the cars. Um, but that's the same with the other expansion packs they have as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they have unique races and challenges and stuff. And the better you do at those, the more races you unlock. Uh but yeah, I just, I, I'm just, I, I mean, I, I love things like that. I love things that are further away from reality and it's a bit more crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's just super fun. Obviously, it's limited because it's not the full game. But yeah, yeah I, I loved it to be honest. And I also love the the paints that people design for the cars. I think that there's people on there that are really talented and. Yeah, I just, like I said, I think every single aspect of it is just really well done. Cool. Are you are you good at it? Because, for instance, I, <laughs> I don't, not to sound like offensive or anything, but like I, I really enjoy games, like I said, like the Burnout, like Split Second and stuff like that. But I am absolutely terrible at them. And I can probably like, I, I it's rare that I'm able to unlock anything in a racing game. But I'm what? usually fine to just keep playing the same levels over and over again because I just know I will never ever beat them. But it, they're still fun, even though I am trash at them. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Forza. I mean, I'm kind of average, but what you can do is you can change the difficulty not only of yourself but of avatars. So right. you can put on like assisted braking. You can put on like you know gear shifts, that kind of stuff um, for yourself, and then you can make other drivers worse or better than you to make it easier or set a challenge so even if you are about racing games you can not be bad at them (laughs) and just enjoy it well that's really cool because um yeah it's very rare that racing games really let you tamper with with the difficulty exactly Exactly. it's awesome it's yeah very accessible um speaking of accessibility you talked about the three six uh, the xbox one controller being better for you for you to to hold um yeah have you ever looked into because um xbox have like the accessibility scheme don't they with the this fancy controller that's modular have you seen Do that they? yeah no um, I that's that's one of the biggest um selling points um for xbox over for ps4 is the accessibility because it is literally like it's completely adaptable it's things so you can play with a single hand there are uh, oh there's pressure pads for you to use for like <gasps> elbows and feet and things like that so i would definitely look into it because that is amazing because you might be able to find something that's even better like than a than a traditional controller you might be able to find like the perfect thing for for you 
Yeah, because yeah, sometimes I feel like video and everything accessibility is, is so limited sometimes, and yeah. it, it really not only does it cut people off, but basically you're telling them that you know they shouldn't be part of stuff, and it's it's really not a good message to send. No, even things like difficulty do that as well, don't they? Because you know, people with, uh, you know, for I mean me, I'm just my reactions are terrible in terms of speed. So I always need to be on an easier difficulty because I am not able to react quick enough for a lot of games. Um, So yeah, it's things like that. Um, I know Nintendo's got a lot of stick recently because obviously the Switch itself is reasonably adaptable um, in how you can play it, but then you're not able to um, alter the button arrangements for games, Mm. but they have relaxed that recently i think they've added um different options because obviously things like mario kart and stuff with a single joy con you can there's ways you can set it up so that you can use just one hand but yeah nintendo for a long time nintendo didn't allow you to map the buttons so everyone's working in the right direction but xbox is ahead by a long mile i mean on that note there is this um disability advocate called sam bosworth who is a really avid gamer who does talk a lot about accessibility of games and about how people shouldn't be shamed for wanting an easy mode yeah. and that that shouldn't be a controversial topic no. in in the gaming community and also how uh I can't remember what the game was but there was this I think it was a PS2 game was it I can't remember it wasn't PS2 it was PS4 I'm really sorry Sam if you listen to this I've completely forgotten <laughs> but uh basically you had to use pedals for this ride um for this driving game and, and he can't do that so they had to basically find a way to like you know like ha- like you know alter yeah. the game themselves yeah but and it's concerning to me that people didn't the the developers didn't think about that about yeah. when creating the game that there are people out there who can't push down on pedals the other thing as well is um i've got red green color blindness and yeah i could not play first person shooters at all on the xbox 360 for a long time because call of duty set this precedent where your teammates names would show up in green and your enemies would show up in red and in the heat of battle, I couldn't tell the difference between those two. Oh, um, no. So I was not able to play. And for, it was like that for a very long time. But this generation, um, colorblind modes have been a lot more prevalent in games. And yeah. a lot of the time now, it will be um, blue rather than green. So that blue and red are, are, are a lot different on the spectrum and a lot easier for people like me to see. Um, but the, yeah. the, my favorite game um, that... I struggled with for ages until it added a colorblind mode was Peggle. I fucking love <gasps> Peggle. Peggle's so good. Yeah. Oh, it's so addictive. But they, when they added the colorblind mode, because the problem I had was I couldn't tell the difference between the uh, the pink peg and the or the purpley pink one and the blue, and I oh, and yeah. I struggled to see the tell the orange from the green. But they've started now. Um, well, I say started. It's been going for over a decade now, probably. But <laughs> the um, the orange <laughs> pins, no, the green pins, sorry, have a triangle on them, and the uh, purple ones have a plus sign. And it just makes so much difference. Yeah. But because it's it's not hard to do. I don't know. That's the thing. Like these things are simple for the people that create the games and they just make them so much more accessible. And making your game more accessible means you make more money. Exactly. 
And also, and this shouldn't be a motivation, but it is, I guess, it's, it's good PR to not look oh, yeah. like an evil company. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, obviously, Xbox, this generation with the Xbox One, have really struggled against the PlayStation 4, which makes me wonder if, like, the reason that they've been able to do all of these things, like um, increased accessibility, you know, it's great for the community, but the the cynic in me always wonders if it's because they're behind and they're just looking for other markets that they can yeah they no can exactly get. yeah but then that's why you know maybe that's why PS4 is so uh, lax about it because they don't have to because they've yeah. already won which is a bit shit. That's the thing when people do things when they help out marginalized people, sometimes people say the intention matters even though it comes to the same conclusion, and some people say it doesn't matter because it helps people, and I guess you as a person have to decide for yourself, yeah, you know absolutely question three: what's your favorite single player gaming experience uh I'd say the fable series, oh cool. But not the first one, and that's probably really controversial because it's considered the greatest one. Mm-hmm. The pure reason is that you can't be a woman, and that just makes me really angry, and I don't like it. It's like the earlier Pokemon games. I won't play it. I'm sorry, I won't play it. I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm like, why is it that the, that the default role for people is a, a white man? I'm yeah. like, nah. Yeah. It's annoying. So I just, on that principle, I don't like it. <laughs> well, as well, as well that, yeah, like Fable, that kind of genre of sort of fantasy action games you've already got plenty out there when it came out that were you know starring a woman or had the option so it is i do think fable was a bit backwards with that yeah it's like uh you know like the um elder scroll series yeah uh you could be a woman in that um and the uh the fallout series yeah so there there was no really excuse really to, to it was yeah the only thing um, I remember so... about um, Fable 1 is my housemate at uni used to, whenever we talked about it, just go, Hero, your health is low. And apparently <laughs> that was a quote that, from the game, and he used to say it over and over and over and over again. Was that, was that, was that fun to listen to? <laughs> no, no, not really. <laughs> he was in a but bit no, of an obnoxious um, guy, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, sounds like it. My favourite out of the two, now this is going to be really controversial, is the third one. Um, And I know a lot of people, if not most people, (laughs) will say that I'm wrong. (laughs) But the reason I say that is because it had this... I don't know, I like the fact that you were born into royalty and that the plot was so kind of political and so kind of just... And the intro, I don't know if you've seen the intro to Fable 3, but in my opinion, it's one of the most like best cinematic intros in gaming history because it was just so poetic and so kind of heated and i don't know i i just love it it's just a it's just a personal love i just think that it's fun and strange and quirky i know fable 2 is as well i mean in fable 2 you have to eat a baby chicken in order to enter this evil cult thing <laughs> they just he just hands you this baby chick and then you can hear it crunching as you're eating it oh. and it's really it's the most bizarre thing in the world, <laughs> but Fable Three just has a special place in my heart, and that might be because of you know just associated memories with it. But I just I just like it. I just think it's it's fun. Good, cool. Um, 
I technically have played possibly the first hour or so, and it didn't grab me. Um, I struggle as as a Zelda, big Zelda fan, anything fantasy. I always hold to that ideal, and yeah. if it's if it if it strays from Zelda in any way, shape, or form, I don't enjoy it, and then I just go back and play another Zelda game. <laughs> the the bad thing about Fable Three <laughs> that did irritate me was that in Fable Two it was more blended the morality. You didn't have to pick one or the other. Yeah. Um, but in the end of Fable Three. You have to choose between basically being a good monarch but having a weak kingdom or being an evil monarch and having a strong kingdom. And that's it. That's it. You have to choose. Right. Um, and that makes it quite difficult. And like for the entire game, everything had been quite good. The plot had been quite fun. It had been nice. And, and then at the end, it does seem to dismantle and it seems to be like, we don't know how to tie this up. <laughs> There's just panic. And yeah, so the, the end of the game, unfortunately, is not enjoyable at all. Uh, it's mostly the beginning and the middle that I that I appreciate the most. So yeah. Well, the the producer but, of the game, Peter Molyneux. I don't know if you know much about him, but he was famous, um, especially with the Fable series, for um, just talking absolute bollocks before it came out about what you would find in the game and just making it out to be the most insanely, uh, you know, something you've never seen before, and you can do anything you want in it, and you're you're um decisions really count to the end of the game and then you know he'd say all of these things before they'd actually made it and then when it came to making the game they would often think shit i don't know how to do that and th- that's probably where that's ended up in in fable 3 is probably he'd he'd mentioned it at a at a conference somewhere the the the, the room had gone crazy and then he he came off stage and thought shit i don't actually know how to make that <laughs> But the the thing that I love most, particularly about the gameplay, is that you can take friendly fire on and off. Ah, so cool. if you're in a crowded group and you're trying to attack an enemy, like with Skyrim, this drives me insane. This is why I choose not to have dog followers in Skyrim. <laughs> because I accidentally hit my dog once, dog starts attacking me, and then I have to murder my own dog. <laughs> and it's horrible and traumatic. And I'm like, I did not ask for this. Yeah. <laughs> but in Fable 3, you can turn that off so that... You don't actually end up hitting people. Um, so I appreciate that because it's really annoying. <laughs> but the realism, you've got to have that realism. <laughs> no, I don't want to murder my own dog. <laughs> it's horrible. We're not in I Am Legend. There's no need for me to do that. <laughs> the shittest dog companion in any video game, if you ask me, is um, in Breath of the Wild, um, the new Zelda game for the Switch. If you have the... Um, the Wolf Link Amiibo, you can use it to unlock Wolf Link as a companion in the game. But right. he only has three hearts and one hit from anything will kill it. Oh, that's so annoying. And because he's a dog, all he can do is like nibble on people's ankles. So <laughs> And you can only well, you can only have him in the game once per day. So you get him in, he makes one like attack and then he's gone. <laughs> that sounds like an afterthought to me. Yeah. Um the, the dog in, in Fable 3 is quite good. It, it, bark, it sniffs out stuff, it barks for you, it attacks people. But the dog in Fallout 4 can... I hate that dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> I despise that dog. Oh, it just is so annoying. It goes too ahead of you. It attacks the deer things, the two heads. But they're just chilling. They're not hurting anyone. <laughs> And it'll go and attack them for no reason. And it kills the babies. And I'm like, I did not ask you to do that. 
And it's always an injury, even when I put dog armor on it, it's always wimping around, whining, and I'm like, if this is what being a dog owner means. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I know you're meant to find it cute and everything, but honestly, it just irritates the hell out of me. I just, I hate that dog. Are you a dog person in real life? Yes, I am. That's the thing. That's the weird thing. I am obsessed with dogs, but that dog, that dog can fuck off. <laughs> okay. Um, so, last of the big four, um, what is your favourite multiplayer experience? Uh, I'd say Minecraft. Oh, cool. Okay. And on the note of accessibility, uh, Minecraft Dungeons came on Game Pass. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We, we grabbed that. And the first thing you see is it does um text to speech for you so it reads out text for you it changes the color outline of enemies for you um it changes like if you have to hold a button for something or if you can just press it there's like multiple different options there um for you to choose from which i'm not accustomed to of a lot of games that it's just you don't have to go looking for it it's just there on the screen straight away yeah so that was awesome to be honest that was really really good cool um how are you getting on with um minecraft dungeons in general because that's quite new isn't it i've literally just signed all right okay. <laughs> <laughs> i was yeah i was more excited about the accessibility thing and then but there's a lot of skins to choose from and they're all different ethnicities and genders which is awesome um and they're all like very aesthetically different as well so that's really cool and we found someone that literally looks exactly the same as my husband which is a bit <laughs> creepy you know, like bald head, pale, ginger beard, wearing suspenders in the shirt. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is happening? Nice. Uh, so, so yeah. So, but Minecraft in general. I mean, I don't even know if I have to explain that one. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just super. I mean, on my own, I do find it boring. I find it more fun with other people. I don't know if that's the same. I mean, my husband loves playing it by himself, but. I, I love that kind of like it's an adventure, but then you can also create stuff at the same time. It's not just building stuff. There's more to it than that. And the animal AI on it is just it's so funny, but also really <laughs> aggravating. So are you more of a are you more of a creator or more of an explorer in general or a bit of both? So when I'm on my own, I'm a creator. And by that, I just mean I build half-assed houses and then that's it that's the end of it but um the adventure and kind of survival that's uh, more of a kind of you know like couples thing uh i just find it super fun um to just go around just you know being stupid and stuff and i just bring a bed with me so i can just sleep anywhere um <laughs> but, but the fault in that is if you don't have the bed on on the land when you die you don't have a respawn point anymore so you just appear basically at the beginning oh, um, shit. that is the most frustrating thing in the world yeah. so it's not a it's not a foolproof plan <laughs> <laughs> um but but yeah I, I yeah i love minecraft i think it's just awesome i was going to say something specifically about it but i've completely forgotten which is the most annoying thing in the world um <laughs> What I will say is that I hate when the traders just spawn in the middle of nowhere, like in caves and stuff, and in the middle of the lake. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> um, I love the fact that you can shear the sheep and they just walk around naked. That just makes me happy for some reason. Uh, yeah, I just, it's a really silly game to me. And I know some people take it really seriously and they're doing amazing things. But for me, I'm just like, let's look, there's a drowned person in the thing and they've got a trident. It's like it's a mermaid, but they're trying to kill us uh it's just it's just fun it's just silly and fun do you watch any like videos online and stuff of stupid things that people have built or 
complicated thing because uh, I'm, I'm not a massive uh, i i don't get minecraft i'm a few years older than you and i think uh that makes a big difference we uh, we, we missed the whole minecraft thing our generation <laughs> yeah no my husband is he uh builds things like you know like automatic opening doors and uh this like i don't know what you call it and it's probably gonna judge me but it's like this mass smelter thing that like you know like makes loads of iron ingots for you when you like bake iron with coal or something and he does it automatically by itself oh, right. he's really into all that he's 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 quite he's quite good at it but uh yeah i'm not creative enough for minecraft i think that's my problem <laughs> I just there's just too much stuff to chew from when you're on creative mode. Yeah. I'm just like let's just let's just drop all the eggs and spawn everything uh in the world. Um and it's just it's fun because then you can just have endermen walking around and you can look at them because it's creative mode. Mm-hmm. I mean they still go all creepy and make the horrible noise, but they don't attack you. So you you feel almost immune to everything. Yeah. My the closest I get to playing Minecraft these days is when my cousin's kids come around and show me what they've built. <laughs> <laughs> And are they good at it? Oh yeah, they're great. They're way better than I was when I had a go. And that's that's the, the insane thing about Minecraft as well is like, um, the age range of players is insane. Like my yeah. my uh, cousin's uh, seven year old is just as good at play, at playing it as as an older, you know, someone my age, which is crazy. Um, yeah. It, and I, whenever I look at it, I just think it's the the control scheme is not exactly simple simple to get hold of but kid, kids really dig it for some reason i don't yeah i don't, I don't know. know why <laughs> but um i did enjoy watching the netflix series oh, you know yeah. um, isn't it like a choose your own adventure thing yeah yeah it's quite fun it's quite uh unique and cool and uh it's just fun and you get to choose if you're a man or woman in that too which is great i love that uh so yeah it's 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 actually quite fun it's a good plot as well cool so that's the end of the big four questions. Um, we're getting on to the questions that you were able to pick yourself. And I'm dead excited because neither of these questions have been asked yet by me. Um, I had two, the last two episodes we've done, um, the the guests asked exactly the same questions, but had very <laughs> different answers. So that was, that was all right. Um, oh, well, I, I bet you were worrying for a second. <laughs> yeah, I was sweating a bit. <laughs> um but yeah, so the first question you picked was, what's the most underrated game or console? Okay, so I picked Sims 3. Oh, okay. So when Sims 2 came out, everyone was amazed. I mean, Sims 2 is an amazing game. There's a lot of stuff on there that makes it really, really weird and bizarre and just not at all like reality ever was. <laughs> <laughs> it's the strangest game ever. But it lacked an open world. It was very kind of, you know, restrictive. So many loading screens. And the creator sim was very, very limited. Uh, And then Sims 4 was, you know, it's very interactive. It's easy to play. But the only relationship you can have on creator sim is married and housemate and sibling. And that's it. And, you know, like all the immediate family stuff. But you can't have boyfriends. You can't have fiancé. Uh, you can't have like you know aunts and cousins and all that stuff. Um, and then obviously there's a lot of stuff they left out with building. Um, I remember when they first released Sims and they didn't have the pool, and I was like, what, what? is happening? Yeah, that they yeah they had the audacity to release Sims 4 without a swimming pool, 
And when people complained, they had the audacity to say, well, you know, you asked for other stuff, so we couldn't <laughs> include everything. And it's like, that's what Sims is known for. Yeah. And you couldn't have a toddler. Um, it was just really, really limited. And in my opinion, it still is limited, particularly because it's a closed world. So it's gone back to Sims 2. So you travel from one place to the other. It's very boring. It's very kind of loading screen, then another loading screen. Sims 3 was open world. Right. And these worlds weren't small, like Sims 4 was, where it's like, you know, three houses of one location. That's it. It was they were massive and there were so many different locations and the creative sims were so extensive. Um, you could change things like um, star sign, which obviously you know comes from Sims 2 being compatible and stuff. But then you could also choose things like favorite food, favorite color, um, favorite music, that kind of thing. Um, you could change body hair. And you could add relationships like boyfriend and fiance, and then the pets could have relationships. In Sims 4, apparently you can't even play as the pets. They're just there, they're just chilling, and it's just cats and dogs. Yeah. In Sims 3, you could play as the pets, and you could have horses as well, and you could collect small pets as well. It, was, it wasn't a perfect game, but it was so extensive. The detail was so amazing, and it was just so free. And then Sims 4 just completely ignored it. Yeah. There are people on Sims 4 that never played Sims 3 that think that Sims 3 is like Sims 4. Doesn't, it just has the same features, and that's it. They don't actually realize Sims 3 had all the things they wanted, and Sims 4 just kind of ignored it. So it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah, there's a lot of backpedaling in a lot of game series in this particular generation i think because games got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger over the decades um and then especially now that um games companies have realized that they can carve bits off a game and then charge you for it later oh, like yeah. when you you buy a 60 pound game a 50 60 pound game now and there's no content in it because they want no. to sell you it later on and Sims 4 is definitely one of those yeah, one of those things. Um, fighting games especially. Like, I'm not a fighting game fan, but things like when uh, the, the most recent Street Fighter came out and there were only half the amount of uh, players available to start with Ugh. and there were only half as many levels and things like that. And, you know, a fighting game is completely reliant on the roster of characters to make it a good yeah. game. And it turned out that they had done exactly that. They'd carved out all of the favourite characters from, you know, the last 10 million Street Fighter games, so they could sell you them. And I think that's just criminal <laughs> that the games, com- is, games yeah. industry gets away with that. Because they think that we're all stupid. Like, they think that we've forgotten that we've already had these things. And obviously there are... The, the big problem is there's a generation of kids that... Have, I mean, I've already talked about this on a previous episode, but there is a generation of kids that are going to grow up and believe that that's how games have always been and that you've always got to be pestering your mum and dad to give you more money to play that one game you like. And it drives me up the wall. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, yeah, like exactly with Sims 4. In Sims 3, there was a pack called Supernatural. So you got vampires, you got ghosts, you got genies. Oh, no, not genies. That was another one. You got fairies, you got werewolves, you got all of that. Um. Sims 4 releases one pack, vampires, and it's not even that extensive. It's not even, like, really in-depth vampire stuff for the same amount. And I'm like, what? Yeah. How, how is that fair? It's insane. The thing that <sighs> creeps me out about um, the more recent Sims, I mean, it might have been in Sims 3 as well, but the way you can pay real money 
to buy clothes from actual clothes companies. So basically, you're buying um, advertising. You're paying to be advertised. And then, like, your Sims wears it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I I know, I, I can't think of any big brands that would be in America, but obviously, like, it's as if, like, they would make Sims Primark pack and it would just be a big list. It would be a big, um, uh, content of lots of different clothes from Primark. And so, base, but, you know, back in the day, that would have been a free thing to then promote Primark. But these days, yeah. you have to pay a fiver to be advertised to. And that, that, that yeah. knocks me a little bit. That is, because the thing is, though, is that a lot of people just install mods. They just install yeah, mods that yeah. imitate the expansion packs. Because a lot of people, they don't want to pay all this. They don't have this money. No, a lot of people don't have this money to spend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, you know, I'd much rather just go for a mod that may not be as good, but give me a similar gaming experience. There are mods out there that are imitating um, University Pack, imitating the Witches Pack, because people don't have the money. No. Well, the the only time I've ever done a mod for a PC game, because I'm not a PC gamer at all, was um, back in the very early days of the internet, downloading um, skin packs for The Sims 1 of um, oh, various, yeah, various Star Wars characters to have in my house. Oh my god, I didn't even know you could do that in Sims 1. Um, well, it took a lot of effort, because obviously as a kid I had no idea what I was doing, and I, it was that thing where like <laughs> I found the download online, and... Back in the day when I used to think, you know, if I download it, then it's done and it would work and I couldn't find it. And obviously you have to then research how you've got to put them in very specific uh, file locations within the Sims downloads, you know, folder. In uh, in Sims 4 Defense, they have a pre-created folder called Mods. And all you have to do is drag the folder into Mods. That's it. It's done. That's quite cool. Um, It's cool that they have that. It's a lot simpler. Yeah. But... um, my my Sims one um, predicted a, a lesbian relationship in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I love that <laughs> because I had a whole uh, neighborhood that was all the characters from Buffy, and I had Buffy and Willow as housemates, and they ended up in a relationship. Um, so it wasn't the same because obviously Tara. This sounds like more. It's predicting your bisexuality. Well, yeah, it could be that as well. <laughs> but yeah, I was just—it just made me laugh that it predicted that Willow would turn gay before Willow turned gay. I love that. I think that's that's. I mean, you have to, in that respect, the Sims have always been quite. Uh, I'm not going to say forward because there's some things in sims 3 that are a bit like mm, like you know women can't breastfeed uh right. anything like that it's just not in sims 4 you can i think i think you can uh but you know like always having same sex couples and uh, that kind of thing it's always been very chill in in that remark yeah I just think they couldn't be bothered to program it to just like one gender. Yeah, I mean that could be very true. But in they have added like you know transgendered stuff into Sims Four, right, which is cool. awesome. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, so you you can like be um, biologically a certain sex, then dress a certain way, and uh, you know like identify a certain way, and uh, you know not be able to have children or that kind of stuff, but still be of that gender. Right. So well. It makes yeah, it's, sense, it's really, very, doesn't yeah. it? Because if it's a a series that is literally about you know uh, being adaptable, you've got to be have all the options available. I think. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you, you're kind of not... You've, I think you've received massive backlash if you didn't. Yeah. And you have to think about their motivation as to why they did that. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to appreciate the inclusivity. But the, you don't want to tokenize people. No. You know, and it's it's hard one. You have to understand like where they're coming from and how they benefit from putting these things in. Yeah. Absolutely. So, last question, um, which I'm very glad that you picked because I was worried that it would be on the list for a good long while before it got picked. Because <laughs> um, this is one that I, I really uh, am interested in. And it's, which game would you hold up as proof that video games can be art? Okay, so it's called Flower and it was on the PlayStation. Uh, and it came out in 2009. Um, and basically, all it is, is the game starts and there's these vases um, on a windowsill and there's just these flowers in each windowsill. And you suddenly become a petal off of one of these flowers that just, you know, in a windowsill in a, in a grey apartment and you fly out of the window. And you don't use any particular controls to move this petal around as it's soaring through the air. You just move the controller. And as the petal is kind of soaring and you bring it down to like, you know, the kind of grey and black and white kind of landscape of the industrial world, it turns everything green and everything becomes really flowery and luscious. Cool. Um, not luscious, lush, luscious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's just such a beautiful game. It it it's just it's most relaxing game ever. And you, it's not really a game, I don't think. It, it's more you just adding more color to the world, and it's got a really soothing soundtrack. It's an amazing game to play if you're high. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's just it's really difficult to get across the tranquility and the artwork of it without actually witnessing it and actually experiencing it. Um, but it's just such a beautiful game. There's so much colour in it. This kind of idea of being this petal that's kind of gifting this, uh, you know, this vegetation to this industrial world. It's, it's really kind of soft and gentle and almost therapeutic in a way. It's just, it's a, it's a really, really beautiful game. And I, I think it's not actually that well known. Hmm. It's um, not one that I've heard of, so. No, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it did come out like, you know, like, what like 11 years ago but i think it was meant to be a um sequel to a game called flow right um which i again haven't i have no idea what that game is but yeah i would i would recommend it if you were somewhere to you know just chill and just just chill you know it's it's not exciting it's just it's just nice and soft and it is incredibly artistic and the way that everything's drawn and this this um symb symbolism that's there it's just it's a really beautiful game it's interesting because a lot of times when you hear about people talking about games as an art form often like you've said with this one it the the phrase that comes up a lot is it's barely barely a game or it's basically not a game because i think often the interactive side is quite low and quite limited I mean, yeah. like you've said, like it's it's not. But then I suppose again, it it means that the game is incredibly accessible to play. Yeah, I mean, like I I understand that there are many games out there. I mean, I can't remember. There's this game 
that represents depression um and it's this i can't remember the name of it but it's this little girl that kind of like battles her demons and these monsters through this world and that's amazing is it gris um i have no idea (laughs) it's 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 like this representation of like all her demons, like her mental demons, yeah. and she has to like fight them. And then Thomas was alone. Yeah, yeah. That's a brilliant yeah. artistic one. Obviously, that's very kind of like cubism, that kind of stuff. Uh, there are many games out there that are artistic. It's just for me, uh, art is something that relaxes me. So to have something that isn't too overstimulating means that I can appreciate it on an artistic level. Yeah. But if it's overstimulating me, I don't see it as art anymore. And not that it is an art, just for me, it becomes a bit too, I can't relax, thus I can't appreciate it. Mm. If that makes any sense. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. So it's kind of like the um, the gaming equivalent of like lo-fi hip-hop beats to uh, to study to on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like... For people like me, we always play games on easy. We always play games with God mode on, not because we're not good at the game, not because it we're not, you know, we don't enjoy games, but because we don't have as much energy or concentration to spend on that game, yeah. to, to commit to it. So it's a way of accessing the game without becoming too overstimulated for a, a number of, of reasons. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, there are many um artistic games out there that are a lot more exciting but it's just personally not something that i would be able to play for that long yeah cool well we've come to the end of our questions no this has been nice hasn't it it has been nice yeah. yeah well thank you a million billion times for coming and joining us today of course from taking for taking you know an hour out of uh your busy schedule that we've all got of just panicking <laughs> about everything that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thanks. Um is there anything that you would like to promote before we head off? Okay, so obviously the two most important things would be to go to the change.org uh company website thing and go to um Brianna Taylor's course so that we can find justice for her. Um, as well as George Floyd, um, because I feel like a lot of people are forgetting about her. And we need to remember that she was attacked unarmed while sleeping um, by police officers. Um, and that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. Because they haven't received any charge at all. Um, they're just at home being happy. Or, I mean, more realistically, they're probably out uh, beating people for protesting. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The second thing, obviously, is to go to blacklivesmatter.card with two R's.co um, to see how you can help people um, and help the Black Lives Matter cause. There's also a UK one as yeah. well. Um, um, so I'm sure if you just type in Black Lives Matter UK, it'll bring you straight to it. Because obviously, you know, not only do we need to protest for rights in America, there's also stuff in this country um, that may not be as obvious that needs to be addressed mm-hmm. um and i'm also offering free profiles for any person of color on my art account uh, zombie corn arts um just to show them that they're valid and that they're beautiful because sometimes if not all the time um society can make them feel that they're not that and yeah i mean i'm mixed race and sometimes i don't feel beautiful and i've only got 
quarter black in me. So I can't imagine how they must feel right now. So I want to help them as much as I can just to feel, you know, that they're wanted and that they're special. Cool. Well, what I'll do is I will bump this episode up to being episode two uh, rather than episode five so that then um, all of these messages will be as relevant as possible when they come out for you. Okay, awesome. Where where can people find you on the internet? Oh, yes. I, I was I was so busy plugging <laughs> that. that um, so my Instagram is zombie, so Z-O-M for mummy, B-I underscore corn. So, you know, like a unicorn, but the word's mixed <laughs> up um and then that's the same for my art account obviously and then i also have a disability account where i advocate for um disability awareness which is called the disabled spooky <laughs> brilliant and then i also have a red bubble account called z for zebra c for cat arts cool Thanks again for joining us. And um, if anybody wants to find me on the internet, you can find me at TimbusRH on Twitter. And the official Twitter for this podcast is We Played This Pod. And we are also We Played This Pod on Instagram. I got that right for the first time. Brilliant. That's the first time I've done that. <laughs> Having two different podcasts with two separate socials is proving very difficult. Thanks again so much for joining us today. And we'll see everybody later. Bye bye. We Played This is part of the We Made This Network. Logo by Carl Bryan. Music by Dave S. Walker, a.k.a. Kyoto Dragon. Previously on the We Made This Network. Pull or pass. If it wasn't for this show, I wouldn't be buying anywhere near as many single issues as I do. I just was always happier with trades until we, we did this show, really. Yeah, I think that it's a large part of where I've come from as well. I own far more trades than singles. Working in a comic book shop and doing the show has encouraged me to go for more singles. But like I say, the last couple of months i don't have singles and it doesn't bother me we buy records do you ever read music mags no did you ever used to i used to buy them all mm. <laughs> so why did suddenly... why did you stop buying them you may have heard of it tim it's called the internet nope and what does that do is that a magazine yeah, it's like a magazine, um, but you can also listen, for example, when... Um... Oh, so it's got a CD cover mount. Yes, exactly that. Where can I get it? Usually you have to go to Dixon's and uh-huh. you get a disc. Uh, yes. They'll give it you to for free. With like 500 hours. In... Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. access. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. Okay, yeah, so you should Dixon's try or Rumbelows. Right, okay, I'm going to try Rumbelows definitely do them, yes. It's a bit of fun, isn't it? Without a mouse. Uh, so how's your lockdown going at the minute? It's going all right. You know, it's going all right, Tim. I'm, you know, I'm doing sort of slightly weird and mad things like like a lot of people are, I guess. I, I power washed the patio for the first time in my life. Uh, yeah, we've done that. We've, we've done that one. Yeah. <laughs> I've taken up yoga, um, which um, just to just to colour the listeners with some context, I am uh, six foot four. 
um, and quite awkward and out of proportion, so yoga's not really my first calling, but giving it a go. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network.